We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaytoshaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hey everybody, I'm Jeff Hunt. This is Storied San Francisco, a podcast all about the people and places that make this city unique. This one happens to be our second episode in a row about a business getting ready to open soon. Although that's not entirely true for Dante Ball and Combo Social. It's existed as a pop-up for several years now. But late last year, Dante secured a brick and mortar space on 3rd Street in the Bayview and will be opening the doors and his heart to the world this spring. Dante doesn't just make gumbo. For those of you who haven't had the fortune of trying it, his food stands for something. For Dante, gumbo is this country's national food. Here's Dante. I used to tell myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna open a restaurant. I've done this before. and. Oh, I'm good. Not going to happen. Okay, you have opened a restaurant before. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we can talk about that now or we can get to it later in the podcast. But Open places. I've been okay. part of opening teams, yeah. um, multiple businesses. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. It's a lot. It is. Scary? But, uh, no, I'm not afraid of anything anymore. All right. Um, lot the, lot, it's an undertaking. It, it really yeah. is. Uh, yeah. Sleep, you lose. But it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to build something that that's bigger than a restaurant. So mm-hmm. that's where the pressure's at. Mm-hmm. Um, would you call it a movement? That's a good question. Yeah, what would you call what you're trying to do? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to uh, alert people that gumbo should be America's national dish. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's all. That's, that's, that's my, all. That's my, <laughs> that's my life's work. I love it. Yeah, I mean, the things we think of as American food, they are, but... Yeah, they've been so commodified and and boiled down. It's, it's like my question is, do you know what America's national dish is? Well, <laughs> is it a trick question? No, nah, it's a real question. Um, most people don't know this. Think there's so many foods think that come biggest, from the think south. Think the biggest chain, one of the biggest chains in the world, and what they make. It's not hamburger. It is okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, my goal. That is, was a trick question. <laughs> So my, my, my life's work is to replace that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck a burger, man. I love it. Yeah. Can I cuss on this thing? Uh, please do. I love to cuss. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch talk is out there. There we go. Like, hold my beer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Burgers have, have they've in reinvented themselves in the last mm-hmm. three years with smash burgers mm-hmm. and different techniques. And Shake Shack's done a great job. Shout out to Danny Meyer, who's a legend mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. The, in hospitality. He's, he essentially wrote the modern book on how to make money in hospitality. Mm. So uh, Danny Myers are really an example, but, um, you know, that's great. But uh, I like Super Duper around here, around here too. Super Duper is great. great. Yeah. Those are the Beretta folks, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I know I know one of the owners there. We used to work at Delfina together many years oh, ago. okay. So they've done a good job. But there is nothing, in my eyes, there's nothing more fulfilling than a really good bowl of gumbo. I will actually, I'll, I'll add to that, if I may, that burgers are Great. I, I, I won't kick a burger out of bed, but they don't have a story like 
gumbo has a story. Agreed. Well, I think another thing, and I don't know if you disagree, but gumbo, I don't think, can lend itself to fast food. It's kind of the point of gumbo that it takes a little bit of time. It takes a lot of love right. to it's, make. And so a part of my journey is going to be how do we take the gumbo social concept and make it a franchisable model? Right. I want our product to be accessible through the Bay Area and in, in California mm-hmm. one day. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm really on a journey to to not only make gumbo America's national dish, but how do I take this brand of the gumbo component, which is the heart and soul, and then the social piece, which is, it's what, like Christmas is a perfect example. This is why people come to my house. They come for the gumbo, but they really come just to talk. Yeah, to be with the people. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So. Do you want to talk about your crew? Yeah. I mean, I know for me, going out to Sunset Mercantile and seeing y'all, that was that was kind of a, a big part of it. I don't know how much you talked about them on, on live already, but I want to hear a little bit about your crew. Yeah, yeah, let's start. We'll start from the top. It's a lot of people to think about, but... This is like your Oscar speech. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you going to thank? <laughs> let's see. It's hard not to, it's, it's hard not to thank Dante Jr. and Zayante first, mm. because I tell you, those, you know, my sons, those young men, they work really hard. They've never complained once mm. about what I'm doing, how we're doing it, and what the vision is. And so that's really important because um, I didn't really have that growing up. And so it's, it's, it's amazing to be doing it with them and, and giving them a format, an opportunity to get a taste of what they do like and what they don't like. Mm -hmm. So they've been, uh, I don't really, I don't say they work here. They're owners. Mm -hmm. They've been a part of ownership since they were in the eighth grade. Wow. And so they've built up, in my my opinion, they've built up a passion for food and and the farmer's market. They've they've always grown up around farmer's markets. Okay. And so they've built an appreciation for culinary, good food, service, They've made mistakes, uh, and they've been able to have the luxury of me there to, to correct them mm-hmm. as their father, mm-hmm. and also as the leader of the company. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the word boss. I think mentor. Yeah, yeah. They are the ones who you know. They give me the you know the energy. Like there's days where like the alarm clock goes off at five thirty. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I am not doing a farmer's market. You guys can find somewhere else to get gumbo at. I don't care. <laughs> well, I was just about to ask. Uh, you mentioned like they learn stuff from you. You must learn from them as well. Oh yeah. Zayante created the original gumbo social logo. Okay. Yeah. When he was like in the sixth grade. Nice. <laughs> That's him. Um, I've learned. You know, they pushed me to do the social media stuff. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is they barely interact on social media now, but mm. they, they've they pushed me to be up on stuff. Mm-hmm. The young people, they know what's going on. So yeah. I, mess, I mess with them. Yeah. So, yeah. So D&Z, the best. You know, I, I couldn't have uh, better kids in the world. I think I met them that day that, that I was out at Sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah you probably great. did. Yeah, great. See, Don, Dante Jr. is the gumbo man, so that's okay. his station. He loves the he loves the gumbo. He's 
very big on the consistency amount of the ratio of chicken and sausage and mm -hmm. the perfect scoop of rice and mm. you know he's just he's just a constant and on his what he what he is there to do which mm -hmm. is great mm -hmm. uh Zayante, uh he's you know all purpose he's just everywhere he's someone that's just overly visual and, and like hey like we should do this and we should do that and here's an idea for this so that's his his lane my sister jasmine who you know, it's a really a catch-all, someone whose opinion I, I, I listen to and respect highly because when I need something, she's there. She one of those people that just knows? Yeah, she knows, you know, that's my Irish twin, so okay. she, she knows me probably better than anyone else. Yeah. And so she, you know, she's saying something. I, as her brother, I, I tend to want to not agree, mm -hmm. but then I always have to kind of be a good active listener and say if, if she's saying something that that means something so let me let me take a step back and be a good leader and listen right my other sister ty who does a lot of the production a lot of the behind the scenes work in helping produce the the end goal uh the breakfast sandwich and the this and the that mm. she's very on top of that are your parents from sf as well or where are they from yeah, so my mom is my mom is from Mississippi. My dad is from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Or where I don't know where he's from. To be honest, he never, that part of the world. He won't be honest. He's yeah. like one day is Louisiana, the other day is Arkansas. I'm like, bro, I need to know. <laughs> I need to know where you're from. Yeah. Um, and uh, my mom, I think they, you know, they they migrated here from the south together. Uh, no, separately. Uh, separately. Yeah. Separately. And um, you know. They, Landed in the in Daly City. My my great grandmother had a house, brought a house in Daly City, mm. but my grandmother landed in Fillmore. Okay, like back when it was the Fillmore. Yeah, back yep. when it was the Fillmore. Yep. The gentrification already took hold, right? It had mm. already started. At that okay. Point. Um, Don't you mean redevelopment, Dante? Yeah, the redevelopment. Well, we can go into the story of the redevelopment Let's agency. Let's do it. And, Let's do know, it. It's been on this podcast yeah. a little bit. I don't. I'm not. I'm not the person to talk about that, but. It has affected the community. You know, the Fillmore is still trying to, I won't necessarily say reinvent itself, but, you know, it used to be the, the Harlem of the West. Yeah. It's, it looks very different today, and I'm, I'm interested and curious. I'm still, I'm here to see what it looks like tomorrow. So your grandma was there as it was being gentrified, or? Yeah, grandma was there, you know. So it is, so it is part of your family history. It's maybe not your direct story, but it's, it's, part, it's in your family. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, my mom would tell stories about, you know, the Boom Boom Room and, you know, they're, them trying to sneak in there and the jazz clubs and stuff like that. And, you know, when they moved to Desert City, they always kind of kept that connection with the Fillmore because of the church. Mm -hmm. And so my grandmother was, you know, my grandmother was big on church mm -hmm. from the South. So we go into church. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing. Yep. That's a given. Yeah. And that, that's what kept the connection. And, and uh, when she passed last year, um, you know, that was the, one of the things I, I thought about, them talking about rent parties. And that's something that used to happen in Harlem. People would throw a rent party. Mm -hmm. Someone would make a big bowl of gumbo or, or, or uh, whatever you can think of, mm -hmm. $5. Mm -hmm. You have a party at your house, and that was a rent party. Mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to pay that rent. Yep. And so, you know, fried chicken, whatever it is, you know, my grandmother was a, she is a, one of the reasons why I decided to become a chef, an entrepreneur. She really, you know, was the person that 
her and my mom really the people that like, hey, you like being in the kitchen? Here's this. You know, I made my first apron with my grandmother. Nice. Um, did your grandma cook at home and maybe for like church or something? Or did she have a business? You said entrepreneur, but. Yeah. So my grandma, my, my grandmother was a hustler, man. So she used to, uh, she used to do a house cleaning service for a Jewish family. Okay. The stories back in the day. Mm. And they were great people. Yeah. Here, here in San Francisco? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. It's part of, part of like, part of how I come to understand like Jewish cultures. Mm-hmm culture and community is based off of our relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And so they would always like partake in, in, you know, some of our holidays as well. So it was just like total love, but she would sell cakes and pies. She was a great chef back in the day, you know, Friday night was, that was family day, mm-hmm. right? People would come over, hang out. It was entertainment. It was, it was a good time. Social. Social, it was right? social. Yeah. Amazing. Even if you didn't know that word, that's what it was. I yeah. Mean, yeah. It was good stuff. So I just remember those as really, you know, young memories, but great memories of yeah. just having a lot of people over. My grandmother was a great host. And I learned, you know, the acts of service from her. Hmm. It being a part of, you know, our family's DNA to serve people. Hmm. You know, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. It's an honor to be able to serve people. Mm-hmm. And so when people come, I, I always hope that when people come to Gumbo Social, I hope they get some of that service piece. We don't, I don't preach a high level of service for money. It's because it's been instilled in me from, you know, my grandmother, from my time working in Delfina. Delfina, again, forwarding that thought of service and how important that is. I remember the first time we ate there, um, I watched three servers like run to the front door just to tell someone, thank you, have a good night. Wow. This is the Delfina, the original on 18th Street? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's where I did my externship at when I was coming up as a young culinarian. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I, I, I worked, I worked out, I did my externship there. And uh, from there I went to, um, I helped open the first pizzeria next door. Mm-hmm. And then from there I did Google and some other places, but the service and the, and the food, obviously. But the service is always the thing that resonated with me. As chefs, like, we we typically care about the food. Right. Um, it's when you step over the other threshold of service and experience of the guest, that's, that's how Craig and Annie and Delfina, that's how they've been able to stay successful but, but stay a cut above. Mm-hmm because it's always a service. I will always remember the first time as a young adult that I noticed service. Like I already kind of appreciated f- eating and food, but how service, like, so there's, you know, decor or design, whatever you want to call it. There's the food, but how service can just take it over the top and like make you feel special. Yeah. And it's part of the whole experience. It can be part of the whole experience and it can enrich it. Yeah. And I feel like when, when once I noticed that it kind of spoiled me mm. to where I'd be looking for it and you just got to take it where you can find it. Yeah. Good, good service is like a, like a relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're a, a habitual dater, like many of my millennial friends, <laughs> you're always looking for your next, like, Oh my God, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And that service, mm-hmm. like when you're treated 
really well. It feels good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's nothing like it. This is cool because I, I'm not aware of any other current or former Delfina employees that we've had on this podcast. Um, I've, I've known some folks and um, through my family, I, 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 I kind of know Craig and Annie, but hearing that about that place, oh, yeah. I always knew it was special, mm. but like hearing, hearing that is, is really cool. Yeah. I, I always, you know, I always reference that opportunity because I think it set the foundation for me as a human. Right. It's not just in the restaurant. No. It's a way of life. Yeah. It, it goes, I could probably talk an hour about how deep it goes from the empathy that Annie is showing people when she needed to release someone mm-hmm. or uh, someone needed to move on mm-hmm. to how they went inside the organization to say, oh, you do websites. Great. Let's do ours mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, how they've taken someone like Anthony Strong and, and say, great. Here's a pizzeria. Here's an opportunity. Build it up. And, you know, that launched his career to do mm-hmm. what he's doing now. And mm-hmm. there's so many other, like, growing up there, like, 19, 20, 21 years old. Is that how young you were when you were there? Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. To see, like, to, wow. to, to be held to a, a standard and to be treated as family, I would probably say it changed my my mindset around how I treat my team. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, Christmas comes around, you know, they're a Jewish family. So we're talking about, we would get tipped out every month from the servers. So that shared idea of like, we're all in this together to, you know, chefs like, hey, I know you're interested in X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Here's two cookbooks or a book that will help you grow. And, and the mantra was always, hey, I want you to, I want you to leave here uh, be successful and come back one day. Okay. And it was always, it was never about just them. It was right. always about the staff, the community. Yeah. So I take a lot of that in. It's like, that was, that was good. That was good mentoring very early. Totally. I needed that. Something that occurred to me as you're describing that and tell me if you think this fits with how they run things a lot of the recent episodes we've been doing on three different co-ops in town, uh, other avenues, Ares Mindy Bakery and Rainbow Grocery. Mm-hmm. And one of the themes is like, well, Rainbow is so much bigger than both of those other two. Like they have 200 employees versus like 20 of the others. Right. But at all three places, and, and this is probably pretty true at most or all co-ops and some places, perhaps like Delfina, where everyone knows exactly why they're doing what they're doing because they have ownership in it. Like they might've been part of the decision-making or like you're saying, it might've been almost like a mentor type of program of like, here's something you want to do and here's some help getting to that point. Yeah. And the thing I love about all of this that we're talking about is that it's human. Mm. It's humans working together and treating each other with respect and space and providing space for, for us all to grow and be better. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. It's love. It's love. It comes back to love. It's all about opportunity. That's, you know, that's one of the things I preach, or at least I try to preach, you know, it's like a lot of folks at Gumbo Social have gotten really good opportunities to do the things they want to do. So you mentioned sort of how your ancestors came to be in San Francisco. Let's hear about you and 
I'm doing the math right, you were born in the early 80s? Early 80s, yeah. Okay, do you remember the 80s in San Francisco at all? I don't, but I've seen pictures. Okay. I've seen the chaos and the riots and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was an interesting time in the the country Mm -hmm. in 1983. 1987, 1987 and 1989, interesting times as well. Mm -hmm. A recession that people don't remember. Mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan, drugs. Oakland, all this, all these things. I remember the 1989 earthquake. Mm-hmm. We lived here on Third in uh, Oakdale. Okay, I remember that. What were you doing that day? I was like just chilling at the house. I was five. I you think. weren't watching the World Series? No. <laughs> but right. we, you know, we. It might have been on somewhere. Yeah, my uncle, my my uncle, my my dad's brother was a big baseball guy. Yeah, and he he when he passed, I haven't I didn't see a Giants game like at Candlestick until. I got a little bit older because he would he would take us. We would go to night games, and he want to talk about cold. Oh yeah, (laughs) you said dress warm. I'm like, this is nothing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I've got I've got a great AT and T Park story. Let's hear it. Uh, Me and my old business partner, we were we running a concessions company. We used to do barbecue at the Haas Pavilion in the War Memorial Stadium at Cal. Okay, and we were building up this little barbecue brand. Uh, It was good, good food. And uh, what style of barbecue? It, I called it, you know, I'm unique. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. called it urban style barbecue. Okay. It was the name of the company was Bay Area Urban Style Barbecue. And our twist on it was I made everything and it was just my style of barbecue. It was, I'm using apple or sorry, cherry and, and mesquite for the pork and mm-hmm. changing up the types of wood and, and how long depending on the meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, different techniques. So it was, you know, I would always say it's somewhere between Memphis and the, and the North Carolina style barbecue. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we, you know, we made our own sauce, which is our, our barbecue bacon sauce. Ooh. So I made the bacon, I actually make, I actually made the bacon that went into the sauce. Okay. And that was like the special thing about the, the barbecue sauce. Yeah. I did eat before I came for this podcast, but that's making me hungry. Yeah. So we uh, we got an opportunity to meet with the with the Giants concessionaires. Oh, it was it, it was two companies. It was uh, three companies actually at one point, and we met with the big dog. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this this guy is legendary, David Gray. And we go in, we have this meeting, seemingly a good meeting, and I'm like, great, I think we got it. And like he texts my business partner back. He's like, yeah, uh, 10K. I'm like, great. Is that for like our stand? And he's like, no, no, 10K. Like application? Yeah. And I was like, why are we paying 10K? And so it was. Uh, and that's probably not a guarantee. No. It was, just it was a guarantee. Oh, it, it was. was okay. a, it was a, they called it a marketing fee. Okay. And little did I know in the concession game at that point, that's that's a key fee. That's a, a, a fee to get into the game. Mm-hmm. And me not knowing better, I'm like, bump that. I'm not paying 10K for shit. Mm-hmm. So I like, called a guy back. I like, this is bullshit. You know, I'm not paying this 10K, blah, 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 blah. He's like, you sure? Like, we're going to get the opportunity to someone else if you don't. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. This is 2001. No, this is not 2001. This is, this is 2010. Okay. Oh. So... <laughs> I'm like, I'm like high on my horse. I haven't felt in anything yet. I'm like, now nah, we're not doing that. And then, you know, turn around. And as the season's going on, I'm like lamenting the opportunity yeah. that, that I squandered. 
And I just remember sitting in the living room with, you know, with, with the kids and we're watching the World Series. And I just look at my business. He's there. And I'm looking at my business partner. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. But, I fucked up. But you didn't, but you didn't know. You didn't know. No I one didn't. knew they were, that was going to happen that yeah. year. But that could have, you know, changed the trajectory mm-hmm. of of my career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every opportunity, and this is like the part of being an entrepreneur, every opportunity has a good and a bad. And the great part is you don't know. Right. So it's always a little bit of risk. But a part of being a good entrepreneur these days, how do I evaluate that opportunity? In mm-hmm. hindsight, being 2020, we should have took a loan out for 10K to pay that fee. Mm. But knowing that now, when we go to go talk to concessionaires for opportunity, well, we know now. We know now how to better evaluate the opportunity. That was Dante Ball. Until the Gumbo Social Spot on 3rd Street opens, you can find them at Sunset Mercantile every Sunday morning. And check back here for part two with Dante, which drops next Tuesday. We hope you can join us for that. Special thanks on this episode to sound designer Kayla Anchel. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.